This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring a new friend of the show, Josh Centers, who's managing editor for Tidbits. Of course, Tidbits is published by our friends Tanya and Adam Ingst. We'll also hear from Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer, and we might even hear from the fake Steve Ballmer. All this and so much more coming up this week on the Tech Night Out Live. Okay, Josh, welcome to the show. And the first question I'll ask you is, Steve Ballmer, did you expect him to, quote, retire? Well, thanks for having me on, Gene. It's uh, good to be on the show. Well, well, I was surprised by the timing, but I really can't say I'm surprised to see him go. Uh, Microsoft just hasn't been doing great lately, and most indicators point to his leadership. So, no, I'm not surprised to see him go. So what does Microsoft do without Steve Ballmer? That's an excellent question. I think they need somebody with vision who can successfully restructure the company. Um, But what exactly that looks like, I I have no idea. Now, one of the things that happened recently was that Microsoft had a new kind of corporate reorganization. They've had a number, which I guess they call One Microsoft. But now we have Bomber going away. So what does that do to the reorganization? I think they'll still reorganize in some way, but how they'll look, I mean... That's anyone's guess, and if I knew, you know, I, I would apply for the job. I think the biggest, the biggest thing they have to do, they have to change the stack ranking system because the one thing I've heard from Microsoft insiders and those close to Microsoft insiders consistently is that stack ranking is the number one reason Microsoft cannot innovate. What do you mean by staff ranking? Let's explain this to the, outsiders yeah, like stack, most of us. Yeah, the stack ranking system, basically how it works is let's say, Gene, you're on a Microsoft team and you had three other coworkers. Well, all of you are ranked in order. So one of you is going to get a very good performance review and one of you is going to get the worst performance review and so on and so forth. So the next best person on the team is going to get, oh, you see where I'm going with this. And your compensation and even your job is on the line. So, you know, the, the best person on the team might get a bonus and the worst person on the team may get fired. And as a result, the best people at Microsoft don't want to be on teams with each other. They want to, they, the best people want to surround themselves with the worst people. So by comparison, they look better and they get better bonuses and they don't get fired. So you have big fish in small ponds. Exactly. Exactly. And, and now they want to work together. And we've read these horror stories from inside Microsoft, how, you know, these teams will fight back and forth. You know, the windows team will prevent say the office team from doing something, or they'll prevent, you know, the tablet division from doing something interesting and they'll demand they hand their people over and just all these feudalistic medieval practices that I'm surprised they're able to get anything done. Well, you have to wonder that they get anything done because where Microsoft can take two, three years to build something new, Apple does it in six months. Well, not not always. I mean, the you know, you get the, the contrast. I'm kind of expanding it. 
Yeah, I, well, I, th- I think Microsoft's biggest problem has been lack of imagination. And, and that a lot of that, I think, can be pinned on Balmer. And he's had this he's pushed this idea of everything has to be Windows. Well, that's fine, except Windows doesn't work on everything. I mean, as we saw with, you know, Windows Mobile, Windows CE, you can't squeeze a start menu into a little tiny screen and just, you know, the same way you can't, you know, try to squeeze a tablet interface onto a large screen PC. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work. So we have the thing here where Microsoft has obviously something that looks different, which is Windows 8. You mm-hmm. can't say that's not innovative, but innovation can be good, innovation can be bad, so now we have the bad innovation. As that follow from Bomber saying Windows everywhere, but isn't that pretty much what Bill Gates said? Well, you know, in all, with all respect to Bill Gates, I don't think he was much of a visionary either. You know, his, his book, The Road Ahead, sold very poorly and had some crackpot ideas in it. I mean, he's a great salesman and a great businessman and a great philanthropist, but, you know, Gates and Balmer have never been known as great visionaries. But they did get predictions that turned out to be right, only Microsoft wasn't the successful player, and that was tablets. They were talking about tablets over a decade ago. Tablets this, tablets that. But it was like the wrong way Corrigan. (laughs) they looked at tablets but they looked at tablets as something coming forth from the enterprise so like a trickle down theory you Mm -hmm. know so the enterprise develops it and it trickles down to the customers whereas apple built them for consumers and the consumers are now putting them into the enterprise Mm -hmm. well well the difference in what apple did and what microsoft did is microsoft tried to take a really complex desktop operating system and shrink it down into a tablet What Apple did instead was they built a completely separate version for a phone, and then they blew it up for a tablet. As it turns out, that's a lot more usable than trying to... It's a lot easier to make a simple system a little bit more complex than it is to try to make a very complex system simple. So Apple went from simple, whereas Microsoft goes from hard, and you have to look at Windows 8. And I tell you, that is far more difficult to use than Windows because... (laughs) It's not just one operating system. It's basically two totally separate operating systems coexisting rather, as they say, grudgingly together. You go from one to the other, and it's like you're living in two different universes. And Microsoft somehow was led to believe that's good. Now, this is not to say that the interface, formerly known as Metro, is bad. They have it on Windows Phone, and it gets pretty good reviews. Windows 8 has to be the biggest mess I have ever seen, at least in the tech spectrum. I've used everything from Linux to, you know, all the way from the Mac back in the 90s. You know, I started on Windows 95, and Windows 8 is just the biggest mess. I pick up a Surface tablet, and I can't figure out what I'm doing, what does what. I hit a button, I'm back on the Windows desktop. I can't figure out how to get back to metro and you know i'm i'm not new to this stuff you know this is old hat for me and most systems i can just sit down and figure out and windows 8 is just indecipherable i don't know how anyone anyone uses it what surprises me is supposedly microsoft does focus groups so how could they not have handed this train wreck to a focus group and not been told what are you thinking well, I think that just that just depends on how the focus group was managed. I mean, maybe someone was there to show them how to use it. And, you know, and maybe if someone sat down with me for 10 minutes, I, it would make sense to me. But, you know, who's to say whoever thought it was a good idea? Uh, they're probably not with the company anymore. But <laughs> Steve Sanofsky, mm-hmm. remember him. He was the Windows 8 executive. He's no longer with the company. Of course, they also said he was kind of like 
a Scott Forstall kind of a difficult to work with, a bit of a tin horn dictator, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the question of Sanofsky, I've often wondered, is is it, it was Windows 8 a mess because of him or was it a mess because Balmer insisted that everything had to be Windows and everything from a phone to a desktop had to have the same interface. You know, if the, those are the constraints you're working with. And Balmer, Balmer's been a very powerful man at Microsoft. I mean, he's pushed other high-level executives out, presumably. So that's the question. Was this all Sanofsky's idea, or did Balmer kind of twist his arm and he just did the best with what he had? Being a good soldier. And of course, that's what they say, that Steve Balmer tends to be overbearing. But he's a guy with sales experience. He started in Microsoft in 1980 in the sales department. So I guess what Bill Gates felt was, other than the fact that he was Bill Gates' college buddy and a fellow billionaire, might as well get somebody, number one, he knows, and maybe somebody he could control. I don't know. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. But somebody who would basically be marketing this great engine called Windows. But then we look at all the things that Steve Ballmer said, like in 2007, when Apple releases the iPhone, ah, he said, no, nah, no. Nah. This is not going to work. That had to have proven to people right then and there that he had a problem. Well, now, to be fair to, to Balmer, Steve Jobs said all the same stuff. Uh, nobody wants video on an iPod. You know, no, people don't read books anymore. It, so, I mean, this is the kind of stuff we hear from executives all the time. You know, it's it's like, uh, you know, boxers or fighters. They, they like to trash talk and they like to downplay the competition. I think the problem is, is he bought his own story. The way I see Balmer, I don't, I don't know, Gene, if you ever watched the remade Battlestar Galactica TV series. We're going to talk about that in our next okay. segment. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica. Uh-huh. we got Josh Centers from Tidbits. More to come. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Mike Stennerson from Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call one 800 
686-2237, extension 116. There are those curious about bitcoins and those using and making money with bitcoins. What are bitcoins? A bitcoin is the first decentralized currency that can be easily transferred from person to person over the internet. No bank needed. This means lower fees and accounts can never be frozen, limited, or closed. You are in control of your money. And the best part? You can start earning and making money with bitcoins right away. No computer or expertise is required to earn money with bitcoins and a growing number of merchants now accept bitcoins. Plus, they're easily exchanged for dollars, euros, and more. Learn more about the easiest, cheapest, most profitable way to enter the Bitcoin market and get paid every two weeks by one of the fastest-growing Bitcoin miners in the world at cloudhashing.com. Just like it sounds, cloudhashing.com. That's cloudhashing.com. We mine your business. Can you pluck a chicken in about 90 seconds? You can with Power Plucker. Plucking by hand is a chore, but the Power Plucker makes it fast and easy. Simply chuck Power Plucker into your power drill and watch those feathers fly off. Save time and money with our complete home processing kits, too. For free USA shipping and 10% discount, go to PowerPlucker.com and enter promo code RADIO. PowerPlucker.com, the only drill-powered poultry plucker. You are now in the crosshairs. The NSA and the FBI are treating you like a criminal and monitoring your every move. Ron Paul said recently, the evidence of the totalitarian nature of this government is on display undeniably every day. What's taking place right now is a coup and the destruction of the Constitution. Fortunately, there is something you can do about it. Learn how to be invisible, lock down your privacy, and even disappear forever. Go to privacylockdown.com to learn how. That's privacylockdown.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Josh Centers from Tidbits, where his managing editor joins us, and we're drawing a comparison here, a parallel, at least you are, Josh, with Battlestar Galactica, the new version of it. Now, I happen to have been someone who didn't like the original. I love the new version. And it's interesting to see how many TV shows people who played on Battlestar Galactica have turned up in. Oh, it's a great cast. But the, uh, the comparison I wanted to make is that Bomber, to me, kind of reminds me of Colonel Ty, and, and not just in the hairstyle department, but if you recall back to um, earlier in BSG, at one point, Adama had to step down for a while from command, and Ty took over, and while he was a great number two, and he was able to you know, whip people into shape, he was an awful, awful starship commander. I think Bomber is much the same way. Now, you know, Bomber If we just- put an eye patch on him, he'll complete the transformation, but to <laughs> me, Steve Bomber looks like Peter Boyle. The late Peter, Peter Boyle, Boyle the comic actor from Young Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched uh, watched a movie with him the other night. Yeah, I know, I know who that is. To me, he kind of reminds me of Al Bundy. Th- that that same kind of goofy look on his face and in the eyes. Yeah, just to me, he looks like Al Bundy. So ho- hopefully Ed O'Neill plays him in, in the movie. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny, Ed O'Neill, actually one time, for a brief period of time, they did a remake of Dragnet, Mm -hmm. and Ed O'Neill plays the Jack Webb role of Joe Friday. I can't Mm -hmm. see it. I couldn't see it. (laughs) But then, you know, we had Dan Aykroyd playing his nephew. (laughs) Yeah. In the movie. But, you know, okay, so, so basically it sounds to me like Steve Ballmer is a bit of a joke with a lot of power, no vision, not much talent, and that Microsoft more or less succeeded in spite of itself. Well, I don't think it's entirely fair to, to bash Ballmer. I Why mean, not? Well, uh, you know, under his reign, you know, Microsoft's profits doubled, the revenues tripled. He oversaw the Xbox, Windows Seven. You, you know, the, he oversaw quite a number of successful initiatives and products. I think just the bigger problem is is in how he structured the company, his lack of foresight. But he, he's not an idiot, and uh, you know he, he likes to play class clown, you know, to put people at ease. But he's he's not a fool. I mean, you don't get to be the CEO of Microsoft, you know, one of the biggest companies in the world, by being a total ignoramus. In, you know, it, in the long term, yeah, probably not the best leader Microsoft could have asked for. But it could have been a lot worse. I mean, look at some of the Apple CEOs from the '90s. <laughs> oh yes, Emilio Spindler, especially Spindler. Mm-hmm. Emilio was actually somebody who had authentic tech achievements such as he was one of the inventors of the ccd which is of course the sensor on all your cameras mm-hmm. yeah gil Emilio was kind of the jimmy carter of apple you know good guy you know smart guy but just wasn't a great leader there you go okay so at this point bomber's going to leave microsoft has a reorganization in place everything they're doing is wrong other than you know, selling Windows to the enterprise, their server operations and office. So what does Microsoft do for the second act? Well, you know, that's that's up to someone a lot smarter than me to ascertain. I think job one should be to get Windows back in order. You know, most people are rejecting Windows 8. It's not selling well. Most people I've talked to do not care for it. They, you know, that's the first thing they need to do is get that back in order. Businesses don't trust it because it's it's too consumer-oriented, it's too confusing. So first things first, get your main product back in order. Second, you know, I would probably focus more on Xbox, because the Xbox has been incredibly successful, and quite frankly, I think with the Xbox One, they're, they've been flubbing a lot of things, which they've been quick to correct, but as it looks, it looks like Sony is actually going to eat their lunch this next console generation. So, you know, first things first, I would strengthen my core products. And then from there, they're going to have to go back to the tablet, go back to the phone, and see what will really work. You know, they might even consider cutting Windows Phone. I'm not sure if there's enough room in the market for a third um, mobile operating system. You know, right now we have Android and we have we have the iPhone. And I'm not sure people are, you know, typically in these markets like game consoles, it's hard to have a third horse in the race. Well, you also wonder about BlackBerry. What's going to become a BlackBerry? And if Windows Phone exits the market, what happens to Nokia, which is basically put its success, of course, led by a former Microsoft executive, Mm -hmm. puts their success on Windows Phone. So if Microsoft gives it up, what do they do? They go Android? Well, I think BlackBerry is just doomed. I mean, they've they've done all kinds of things to try to turn the ship around, and it's all been too little too late, unfortunately. And as far as Nokia, I don't really see a great future for them either, but anything's possible. And yeah, I could see them pivoting to Android and, you know, if they made quality hardware and, and supported it well, then yeah, I, I think they can make a great phone that would sell well. But 
people, developers don't want to bother with Windows Phone. Users don't want to bother with Windows Phone. It has some great ideas. You know, I've tried it before, and it's it's a very snappy interface, and it's very unique, but it's just, once again, too little, too late. Speaking of gaming as, you know, one thing that Microsoft may succeed in with the Xbox, where does that leave Apple? Does Apple do something more in the gaming arena? I mean, there are zillions of games on the iPad and iPhone. There are more games on the Mac. We have Apple TV, so Apple wants to get into that living room. In that living room, they've got the Blu-ray player, they've got the DVR, they've got the gaming console. And Apple is telling you that your TV experience is 20, 30 years old. So does Apple do something with Apple TV to get more involved in gaming? Well, that's a a good question. I'm glad you asked me because it's a topic of intense interest for myself. Here's a fun fact. Electronic Arts, which is the third biggest gaming publisher in the world, cites Apple as its biggest source of revenue. Not Microsoft with a 360, not Nintendo, not not Sony with the PlayStation, but Apple. And and that's an important thing to keep in mind. And what I think is going to happen, I think in the next five years, probably sometime during this console generation, Apple is going to sneak up from behind and and launch a full-scale assault. Oh, well, I think we're going to see Apple come up from behind and take everyone by surprise in gaming. Um, what we're seeing, with, like, for instance, with iOS 7, they're going to ha- start having official game controllers that where you can buy a game controller and use it with your iOS games, and that's supported by Apple. Well, now what happens when you have an iPhone and you airplay a game to your Apple TV and you hook a game controller up to it? You have a gaming console, and maybe you didn't even intend to buy one um i think that's how they're going to sneak up on the market because with most gaming consoles at least with the the ps4 and the the new uh, xbox you know you have to lay out you know 400 500 up front you know the beauty of turn of turning the iphone into a stealth gaming console is okay well you need a phone anyway you pay, spend 200 bucks you get a few games okay along the line you get an apple tv so you can watch netflix and all that well, heck, you know, I got some games. I can spend an extra 30, 40 bucks on a controller. And before you know it, you want a game console. <laughs> and some of the stuff they've been showing off that's uh, still under NDA is truly mind blowing. We're going to see some incredible um, console quality games coming out of Apple systems pretty soon. And I've uh, actually spoken with some of the larger um, Apple oriented gaming publishers, and they've been telling me that Apple has taken a much more serious look at gaming and a lot more interest than they have in the past. We'll get more into the past and the future with Josh Centers from Tidbits. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. 
Attack of the Rockoids, and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. There's a huge and hushed up conspiracy going on that's about to turn your lives upside down in the coming few months. Unbelievably, the media are keeping quiet about this. I'm sure they know it, but they probably know that revealing it on TV will generate mass hysteria and chaos. But I believe you should be informed about it. Because when the sinister agenda is finally accomplished and everything unravels, only those who know this secret info will survive and thrive. Go to 123conspiracy.com right now to see the truth. The video at 123conspiracy.com reveals the real secret reason why Obama is after your guns and ammo. And it's not just in response to mass murders of preparing for war. It's something much darker. Go watch the video now at 123conspiracy.com before they shut it down. Again, that's 123conspiracy.com. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Summertime is sale time at Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big and stock up at HerbalHealer.com. New customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's summer specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Sea Cucumber, Super Fem and Super Male Plex, plus Glucosamine Chondroitin, our best-selling liquid CalMag Vitamin D, and our colloidal minerals, all on sale for summer at HerbalHealer.com and Herbal Healer also offers certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education. Since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. Josh Sanders of Tidbits joining us for the first time, and it's not going to be the last. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live, and we're talking about Apple's stealth approach into the gaming market. First, you have the games on the iPad, on the iPhone. You use AirPlay to bring them over to your Apple TV. You have 
official Apple-sanctioned game controllers for iOS 7. And what does Microsoft do? What does Sony do? What does Nintendo do? Yeah, and that's going to be an excellent question. I think part of the problem, I, I see the consoles going away at some point because, it, you know, in this day and age, when you have um, we have devices like the iPad and the iPhone that can play games in addition to all sorts of other things, you know, just like, like a general purpose PC, but in your pocket and easy to use, that, you know, what is the point of a game console? I think a lot of people that buy the consoles now are going to become increasingly become more enthusiasts than regular people. Um, you see kids growing up these days, you know, they're playing games on tablets and they're playing games on, on phones and iPods. They're not playing games on consoles like people of my generation did. You know, I, I grew up on an NES. The little kids I see nowadays, they're not doing that. You know, they're just, you know, dad hands them the iPad and here, here's a game for you. So that's what they're going to grow up with. And Apple's also going to, like I said, they're going to be able to have that stealth attack, you know, and you can do this now with so many um, games on the iPad. Um, there was one I reviewed for our new Fun Bits feature called Storm Raiders uh, Sky Gamblers, which is a it's like a World War II flight simulator. And you can airplay it to your TV. And, you know, and here you are. You can just control it from your iPad, move your iPad around to move around the screen. And you're playing the game on your TV. And it looks like a current generation console game. And I don't know how anyone can look at that and say, hey, hmm, <laughs> this is going to get very interesting. Apple certainly does, because in recent introductions of new hardware and new iOS versions, they bring on a gaming person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I think that's one of the changes we've seen in Apple since the loss of Steve Jobs. You know, um, Jobs just wasn't a fan. He wasn't a gaming guy. No, no, not at all. I don't think he really cared for Apple devices to be gaming devices primarily. But I think now with um, Steve, you know, rest his soul out of the picture... I think we're seeing a bigger push in that market because it's a very profitable, very lucrative market, and Apple could, you know, could launch a surprise attack very easily. And it's easier to develop for iOS than, say, for Android because you don't have the fragmentation, you don't have subpar experiences, you have just a small number of devices fine-tuned for good performance, and that way it works. You can't develop 20 different versions of a game for Android and expect good performance. Not that there aren't games on the Android platform, but you see, for example, with their tablet-optimized versions, all they do is scale up the things. They're not optimized to look good on tablets. They basically cheap out. Mm-hmm. And with Mavericks and iOS 7, Apple's actually going to make it easier to develop games because one of the technologies they talked about, or I briefly mentioned during the keynote, is something called SpriteKit. And what SpriteKit's going to enable for developers is a way to create two-dimensional games um, like you play on a Super Nintendo or you know, something like that, but make that make them very easy to code, both for iOS and for the Mac. So I think we're going to see a lot more games coming to Apple's platforms in the past. This is something they're really taking seriously and something I think that's been overlooked in the coverage of the keynote in WWDC. Well, they're all covering the new face of iOS 7 or the fact that OS 10 Mavericks doesn't look altogether different from Mountain Lion. They're not looking about all that stuff going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and there are a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Um, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I've talked to some of the um, major Apple game publishers, and one of the things I've heard is that Apple is very interested in gaming performance under Mavericks. 
Now that's interesting because that's something they've never been interested in in OS 10 is, is how, you know, they've always used um, older versions of OpenGL, which is um, how um, Macintoshes draw 3D graphics on the screen for games. So, yeah, that's always been one of the complaints is, oh, well, they, you know, they kind of hobble the Mac for gaming. Well, no, now it's, this is something they're seriously looking into. And I think I think uh, the gaming industry is, is due in for a surprise. Just saw a report in Apple Insider. Pioneer is launching a DJ controller for iPhone and iPad. So now it's not just games. It's all sorts of other interesting products that could work with these gadgets. Hmm. Yeah, that one I haven't heard about yet, but I, I see a... Pretty big future in, um, oh, that's cool. So I guess this would be for, like, um, DJ games where you... Right, exactly. Hmm. Oh, sells for $260. I'm guessing this is going to be more professional. <laughs> yeah, well, we did we did a fun bit a while back by uh, a contributor from the UK, Chris Armstrong, and he outlined some of the um, best apps for AudioBus, which is a... Um, it's it's kind of a st- audio stitching app for iOS, and Apple bu- has built in support for GarageBand, so you can download a music app from the App Store and use AudioBus to record into GarageBand. And something like this, or even say a keyboard with a MIDI interface, um, would be great for it. And they also have interfaces where you can plug a guitar into your iPad and use it as, as an amp and apply all these effects. You know, yeah, it opens up all kinds of interesting possibilities for musicians. And notice when they introduced the new Logic Pro 10, they included an interface that works with your iPad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, well, we've seen this with Photoshop also, where you know these professional applications are are adding iPad interfaces in addition. I I think it's very interesting. Um, You know, I'm not an audio professional, but if I were, I would I would go buy a copy of Logic 10 in a minute. Well, I have to think here. One of the things here about all this is the fact that Apple has this incredible integration amongst all its devices, and they don't look the same. So their integration is not looking the same. It's basically providing seamless integration among devices, more support for gaming, all this stuff going on at a time when we're saying, well, of course, we're in the twilight of the PC era, and people won't be buying Macs as much as they used to, but Apple seems to be trying to push things in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And well, going back to Microsoft, I think it's interesting to compare and contrast the two because, okay, with Microsoft, you have Windows on the phone, you have Windows on the desktop, you even have Windows in the Xbox now because they adopted that modern Metro style interface. Now you look at Apple's lineup, you know, the iPhone and iPad, yeah, they look more or less similar, but then you have a different experience in the Apple TV and you have a different experience in the Macintosh, but they each borrow elements from each other and they just work very seamlessly together. You know, I think that's the key is they've developed a unique interface for each that's suitable to each device, but they all work beautifully together. And if Microsoft wants to be back on top of the game, that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to create things that fit their hardware. And Microsoft's clearly interested in building its own hardware now. So they're going to have to build interfaces that mesh, that become a part of that hardware, just like Apple's trying to do with iOS 7. But they're all going to have to work well together. You know, so if they can do that, I don't know. (laughs) Well, Microsoft would literally have to tear everything apart and start over, which is difficult. I mean, now they're pushing out Windows 8.1, which is a minor shaven haircut for Windows 8. And what do you do from there? What's Windows 9 going to be like? Are they going to re-architect that? And after training people 
to want to use Windows 8, grudgingly in many cases. Now they've got to tell people, oh, that was wrong, now move in this direction. If you think they're getting a little bit hell now from tech people and IT managers, just imagine what kind of reaction they're going to get if they say, well, now as part of our new reorganization, we're going to have Windows 9, and it's going to be this operating system, or it's going to be more like Windows 7. If Windows 7 had gone through a natural stage of evolution to Windows 8. I think there'd be parades in the streets. I don't think anyone would miss the Metro interface in Windows 8. It's it's just a mess, unless they figure out a way for it to work better. And actually, here's what's interesting about Windows 8. They didn't adapt their their second biggest product, Office, to work with that Metro interface. It still works with the old Windows interface. And we've noticed that. We've noticed that. We've also noticed that we're talking to Josh Centers from Tidbits, where he's managing editor. Much more to come, including where the Apple TV is going, not just for gaming, on the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com this October, thousands of people from all corners of the world will descend upon Aura Utah. But it's more than the fall colors or the snow-capped Wasatch Mountains that brings them. It's the semi-annual Great Utah Preparedness Expo at the Utah Valley University Event Center. It's the most unique preparedness event on Earth, with over 30 world-class lecturers giving over 50 presentations. Learn from experts about below-ground greenhouses, super winter survival, herbal medicine, bunker building, even urban evasion and escape tactics taught by SEAL team trainers. These people are the very best, and they only get together twice a year at the Great Utah Preparedness Expo. There's also over 100 vendors selling very unique preparedness, emergency, and survival equipment, plus solar and alternative energy products. The semi-annual Great Utah Preparedness Expo, October 11th and 12th in Orem, Utah. Sponsored by Longevity. For more, visit superprepfair.com. That's superprepfair.com. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. 
Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes, revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeat e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Hi, my name is DeRay, suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and Gentle Touch Chiropractic Adjustment called Nuka. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle and actually absorb, providing nutrients, targeting the problem area. Between Nuka and Nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at drwartman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124. Or on the web at drortman.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. Hey, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Isle live. Josh Centers from Tidbits joining us. He's managing editor over there at the tidbits.com. And we started out with Microsoft. We moved to Apple and their gaming initiative support for gaming controllers in iOS 7 and the use of Apple TV. But where do we take Apple TV? I mean, Apple has been playing a stealth approach with Apple TV. It gets more and more services every few months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been, it's been a huge summer for Apple TV. It has HBO ESPN, Disney. Um, yeah, just the other day they added Disney, Smithsonian, Vivo. It's been a huge summer. There's been a lot of speculation now that they have an SDK because we know we know HBO developed their own app in house. It wasn't Apple's app. It, it looks like at least the Weather Channel app wasn't developed by Apple either. So a lot of people said, "Well, there's an app store coming." Well, we've been saying this since the dawn of the second generation Apple TV in 2010. It hasn't happened yet. I would like to see it. I think that would be phenomenal. But it's kind of hard to tell what Apple's up to. I'm not sure they they're going to build a, a TV set. I don't see other than maybe making audio like surround sound audio simpler. I don't see a, a good reason to step away from the hockey puck box. Oh yeah, I would like to see an app store, uh, see more content options like we have in the Roku, uh, but done in a cleaner way. You know, one of the problems with the Roku and the Roku is a great device, but everything about it feels cheap. The remote feels cheap. The interface feels cheap. There's a pl- all these applications for all these channels for it, and it can just be overwhelming. Now that is an interesting issue you just raised. The fact that right now with Apple TV, everything is a separate app, so you have to say, "I'm going to use this app." And then I'm going to wait for that app to load. 
and then I'm going to choose the content I want, which becomes more complicated than the DVR, where here's all my channels, doesn't matter where they come from, but this is my channel that I want, or I could just surf through different channels, switch from one to the other. Within a couple of seconds, I see another station, and I choose which ones I want. So I'm not just looking over the dial, scanning through the dial. You can't really do that with Apple TV because it's several steps removed. It is choose the content provider, go to the content provider's interface, then choose what they offer. Maybe they offer on-demand video, maybe they offer archive video, whatever, and you choose what you want. You can't channel surf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, unfortunately, Gene, I don't think, you know, a lot of people have said, we want a way to search, you know, through all these different services in the Apple TV and, and just because we just care about the content. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. And the reason is, is because all these content providers, they want their own branding. You know, if you're watching something from Disney, they want you to know that you're watching Disney. This is a Disney production. They don't want you thinking, oh, it's just a TV show that fell out of the sky. You know, same thing with the rest of these channels. You know, HBO wants to keep its brand and, you know, and Netflix wants to have their own brand of things, as we've seen with their own original shows. You know, the new Arrested Development made a very big point at the start of every episode to let you know that it's a Netflix production. For that reason, I, I would love to see something like Spotlight on the Apple TV where you could just move over to a screen and type something in and it finds the content and lets you know what services it's on. Because one of the biggest problems, especially with Netflix, is discoverability. You know, just recently they, they had the they might still have the James Bond movies back and they have them like once a year for two weeks and they go away. And I had no idea to know they were on there. <laughs> there was no announcement. There's no, hey, you know, it wasn't until I read a news article somewhere that I, I knew it was there. So that, that's a, that's a problem Apple can solve. Now, the question is, will the content providers let them solve it? Who knows? Well, there we have the dilemma. Therein lies the issue. But you also have to recall what Tim Cook said. You go into the living room, you feel you're going back 20, 30 years. And one way to make your experience smoother is to integrate everything, and not just the programming, they integrate your devices. So Apple can't say, don't get a gaming console, don't get a Blu-ray player. What about your surround sound system? You've got all these devices that are separate, and the only way you can integrate them now is like with a universal remote control, mm-hmm. which is awkward. So the one thing that Apple has to do is, allow you to manage your content with a single interface and not just have apps, but maybe have one Apple TV interface where you choose the content from among all the providers, not where you have now. It's just, it's just like an iPhone. You have a menu of apps. Mm -hmm. Well, little secret gene right now, the Apple TV is pretty much the only thing we watch television through. And it's made things a lot simpler for us. We have a cable box, but I keep it unplugged. We don't use it. Um, I have a PS3, but I haven't played it in probably three or four months. You know, everything we watch is on Netflix or HBO or or something. We can just watch the Apple TV, and it's made things so much simpler. And there's a lot of power in the Apple TV that I don't think most people have quite tapped into. But yeah, you know, before I had you know four different remote controls, and we had a you know we have the audio receiver, and you have the TV remote, and you have like all the different boxes and wires going everywhere. Now we just have the little Apple TV about the size of a hockey puck. And that's what we watch everything through. And it's made things a lot easier and a lot simpler. No, I see what your point. I think a lot of people though would still want the content, you know, the event programming where you sit down and you know, there's going to be your baseball game now, or it's going to be NCIS. Now the new series, what are they going to do with 
Ziva, mm-hmm. which means nothing to anybody except that one of the co-stars of the show is leaving after the first couple of episodes. All right, the point being, you want the show, it's happening now. Yeah, people sit, want to sit down and veg out. You well, want to veg out, and Apple needs to consider not just the people who will choose amongst several different sources of content to cut the cord if that's what they want, or just make it another device that they use. Regardless, if you're able to have it all there at once, seamlessly integrated, do you want just your regular TV stations? Do you want your special streaming content? Put it all together and be able to switch amongst all your connections because Apple can't throw that away. So in a sense, make the Apple TV also function as the universal remote, maybe by having a larger version with four HDMI ports and back. So you plug everything into your Apple TV. It's the intermediary for everything else you have. You're describing the Xbox One. (laughs) I am in a sense, but maybe do it right. Yeah, well, see, I don't know if there is a way to do that right, because the problem with the Xbox One is that it's going to have to have um, an IR blaster to control all these different devices, and it's going to have it's going to have to act as a universal remote. As we know, universal remotes don't always behave as we expect them to. I can so, tell you stories. <laughs> I have I'm a Logitech sure. Harmony 900, mm-hmm. okay? And the problem with it is not that it's a little difficult to program. It is. And I think Logitech tried to sell off the company, but that hasn't happened yet. The key is here, if you don't aim everything exactly right, it misses one of your connections. Now, it has a help menu where you can go through this. So like every other day, my wife comes to me saying, the TV didn't go on, the Blu-ray didn't go on, the DVR didn't go on, so you have to go back through this process to fix it. Now, can Apple solve that? If they can, that's another problem that needs to be dealt with. I think the way Apple will solve it is make it so you don't want the DVR and you don't want the Blu-ray player. That's you know that's how they solved a lot of other problems. You know, well, what do you do with the floppy drive? Well, you get rid of it. <laughs> that's part usually part of Apple's big solutions is they don't just give you a new heart a new technology solution. They also change the way you think about things as well. So that's something to keep in mind whenever kind of pondering what what we think Apple may be doing in the TV space. They're not just going to change. You know how we do stuff. They're going to change the way we think about it, and the way, and they're going to change what we want. Well, of course, that's changed the way people deal with such devices. No, I can see your point that Apple simply replaces those items one way or the other, which is possible. But still, then they still have to unify the experience of choosing amongst all those apps. Because if you just reduce everything to an app, all you're doing is instead of having physical devices, you're having virtual devices. So. You bring in everything from HBO, it's one app. You bring in everything from Time Warner Cable or Cox or DirecTV, it's another app. You bring in Netflix, it's another app. So mm-hmm. all you're doing is presenting apps, which is any better than your smart TV set. And that's the other question I want to ask you in our next segment. Do you think Apple is going to build their own TV set? We can get into that in the next segment. We have just a moment to deal with here. But the question I would have then is, Does Apple keep the current Apple TV as it is? Do they have a faster, beefier version? Do they offer more connectivity amongst devices? What about a souped-up Apple TV? I'm not talking about the TV set, just the set-top box. Mm -hmm. 
I think you've been looking at it backwards, Gene. The, the the problem the problem with television it's not be the first time, by the way. <laughs> it's not changing between the channels. It, it's not even always finding the content you need. The hard, the worst thing about modern televisions, and, and you pointed it out yourself, is how complicated everything is. You have to have one remote for the TV, one remote for the cable box, one remote. You have to control the the audio separately now. Apple solution is going to be just making that easier, and, and we're seeing this now. For instance. Apple TVs can now airplay audio to external speakers. We have much more to come as Josh Centers joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Josh Centers joins us. I was about to think we were on another show called The Powercast, which is about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And speaking about things that go bump in the night, we're going to possibly hear from the fake Steve Ballmer later in the show, along with Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. Right now, we're talking about the potentials of Apple TV. And we have to look at the problems that Apple has to solve. And the question being, does Apple need to build the TV set to solve some of those problems? Well, that's a good question. I'm not necessarily convinced that they do. I think the current box is is great for what it does, and there's a lot of risk with going into the TV set business. Now, the one thing, though, 
And I, I've uh, I posted on my own blog about this before I started tidbits. The one thing I think we might see if they do a TV set, the reason they would do the TV set isn't for the the visual, isn't for the screen, it's for the audio. Because the worst part for most people about setting up a television is is the audio. You have to wire up surround speakers, or you know, even the simplest is you got to plug in a sound bar and hook all that up. If Apple does make a TV set, I think it'll it'll include. Nice speakers, a subwoofer, and it'll have it'll come with two surround speakers, and they'll be like AirPlay speakers, and you'll just stick them on your wall, and they'll just work, and they'll just beam to it. And you don't have to wire things, and you don't have to worry about all that, and you won't have to worry about changing inputs because it won't ha- it probably won't have any inputs. It'll be like a big iPad on your you know, on your TV stand. All your content will be in there, and you'll play games and control it with your iPhone or, or a third-party controller like we're going to see in iOS 7, and it's going to be a self-contained experience. It's going to be like the iMac or the iPad of a television, and it won't be what everyone, everyone wants, but that's typical Apple behavior. They give us something new and different and bold, and it's not to every taste, but sooner or later, people's tastes adapt to what Apple's offering. All right, so say, for example, you have AirPlay. You have a way of wirelessly feeding stuff, say, to your speaker system, to your surround sound audio. But there are tens and tens of thousands of different models out there. You can't do that, too. So do you develop some kind of adapter for them? Mm, you know, the obviously, we have a surround sound system. We don't depend on the crappy audio from mm-hmm. our TV set. We understand if you have a sound bar or a sound base, which is what I have from a company called Zvox, which is very easy to connect to your TV. Mm-hmm. We're talking about whatever system you have. You have now 11.1 surround sound, you know, Mm -hmm. speakers all around the room, all that stuff. But you have a central control center, a receiver, Mm -hmm. whatever. So right now, you have to plug in a cable somewhere to your TV set, to your Apple TV, to whatever. Mm -hmm. You have to pick that input. But if you can just send it wirelessly, do you then have an adapter that plugs into your surround sound system so it's getting it wirelessly, your HDMI audio video? No, the audio will be the audio. <laughs> it'll it'll make all that obsolete, and, and and that'll tick some people off. But you know that's um that's the way Apple tends to do things. You know, so then you would have to buy a new surround sound system, no, a new no, receiver. It, it would be you wouldn't need a receiver. It would all be in, that would be the whole point of the set. It would be everything in one device. It would have a couple you know or more wireless airplay speakers included and you just hook those up and they just connect to the apple tv but yeah you wouldn't have external speaker you wouldn't have the speakers like you think of now they're all they're either built into the tv or they're you know the wireless ones you you stick on the back wall okay so what i'm thinking here is there's already a device out there from bose which is called the video wave the current model is video wave 2 mm-hmm. but you get a 46 inch led set for Mm $4,999. And if you want the 55 inches, $1,000 more. It's got a full tricked-out audio system. I have no doubt the audio system is fabulous, but I don't see how Apple would want to consider building something like that. Apple tends to want to make things affordable. That's that's a good. You know, most people say the opposite about Apple. I know. I mean, you know, the original iPhone was what six hundred dollars on contract. Now, if if Apple does do this, and I'm not convinced they will. This is just sort of wild speculation. But oh yeah, they they won't have any qualms about charging a premium for their product if if they think it's worth it and they think people will buy it. The the bigger issue is how do you display display these in small Apple stores? <laughs> right, and also. 
do you have to charge $4,000 just for the audio system? Can you do it, say, for 500 or or 1000 bucks? I mean, as an example, the Zvox sound bass, which has five speakers plus two subwoofers, it costs $500. Okay? Mm-hmm. It produces really good sound. I'm not saying Apple can't do better with an integrated TV with something like that. But does Apple have to charge a Bose price to do it? Or can they do it for $500 or $750 extra? Well, you know, as we saw with the iPad, they're always capable of surprising us. You know, most people predict the iPad would cost upward of $1,000, and it was half of that. So, yeah, that could happen. Um, But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if this thing's really expensive at first. That is, if they even make it. And that'd be the larger question. Is there an incentive for Apple to build this whole TV? It's not like the smartphone market, because if you look at the smartphone market before the iPhone came in, it was very much something driven by business with the BlackBerry. I mean, consumers had them, but it was driven by business and business executive. Consider, for example, even the iPod, nobody bought them. It was just geeks bought those music players. They were difficult to use. Tablets, well, you had some tablets in vertical markets. Again, the business markets, Apple made them consumer-friendly. But with the TV business, consumers have saturated the market. Right now, TV makers are jumping over themselves to deal with flattening sales. They're offering smart TVs with more stuff. They're trying to entice you to buy 4K TV, which is like the retina display equivalent on TV. But, of course, if you're eight or nine feet away from a TV set, you can't see the difference anyway. And then, mm-hmm. in other words, they're trying to find ways to trick out a TV set to get you to buy it because the market is so saturated. So does it make sense there because you have a very well-tapped market as opposed to these others for Apple to get involved at that level? Well, if you look at Apple's history and you look at the markets they like to enter, I think TV is tantalizing for this reason because, you, you, like the PC market, you have you have all these guys who have, all these different manufacturers who've, you know, priced themselves out of the game, you know, look at netbooks, you know, versus the iPad, you know, the the netbooks were very slim margin products, very cheap products. The iPad comes in, costs more than the netbooks do, but puts them out of the market. You know, so that's, that's something that entices Apple. It's like, Hmm, here's something we can come in with a high margin, high value product and, and put these other guys out. And also TVs are a product that I don't think most people are that satisfied with. I mean, yeah, you, maybe you like the screen, but have you ever seen a good TV menu? Have you ever seen uh, like, I mean, these smart TVs? Have you ever seen the one that wasn't just slow as molasses? <laughs> you, you know, every, every TV I've ever had has had awful menus, awful software, and just it's just a terrible experience. And you have to plug all these wires in. You have to get things to work. And, it, you know, it practically takes a, a, a master's in electrical engineering to get a modern TV to work with surround sound and hooked up to cable and, you know, getting all, all this content you want. I think it's a market ripe for exportation. And I think Apple could do that. The question is, do they want to get into the TV set market? And I'm not sure they need to. I, I think the current Apple TV does a great job and it, it hasn't reached the end of its potential yet. Well, certainly Apple's adding more and more content, and the end game would be, well, now how do they integrate all that content into a seamless experience? That would be interesting. And we also wonder, too, as it, whether it makes sense for Apple to do what they're doing with the auto industry, which is to make deals with the TV makers as they are with the car makers to include an iOS interface, iOS for the TV. 
No, that's that's an interesting idea. I, I could see them doing that. Yeah, absolutely. This way, when you turn on your TV set, you get the iOS interface. When you plug in your DVR, if there's support from Time Warner or Cox or DirecTV, Dish Network, whatever, you get to see your DVR content within the parameters of an iOS interface. You don't have to throw away your DVR. You're just seeing it almost like a TiVo. It's like embedding a TiVo, only it's an iOS device within your TV set. This way, Apple doesn't have to build the TV set. This way, it doesn't matter which you buy, although Apple could possibly have requirements like you have, for example, you know, system requirements now for different products. Maybe to be certified, your TV Mm -hmm. set has to meet certain requirements. One more segment coming with Josh Centers. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Jim Newcomer from Minus Resources, August 27th, 2013. Gold opened this morning at 141890. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 146971, 73485 for a half ounce, or 36743 for a quarter ounce. That's 146971, 73485, and 36743. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. There are those curious about Bitcoins and those using and making money with Bitcoins. What are Bitcoins? A Bitcoin is the first decentralized currency that can be easily transferred from person to person over the Internet. No bank needed. This means lower fees and accounts can never be frozen, limited, or closed. You are in control of your money. And the best part? You can start earning and making money with Bitcoins right away. No computer or expertise is required to earn money with Bitcoins and a growing number of merchants now accept Bitcoins. Plus, they're easily exchanged for dollars, euros, and more. Learn more about the easiest, cheapest, most profitable way to enter the Bitcoin market and get paid every two weeks by one of the fastest-growing Bitcoin miners in the world at cloudhashing.com. Just like it sounds, cloudhashing.com. That's cloudhashing.com. 
We mine your business. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, Absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Okay, we're winding down here, and I don't think we know, either of us, myself or Josh Centers, what's going to happen with Apple TV. Apple's obviously going to take it somewhere. They're adding content. Will they build a TV set? Will they license, as I suggested, iOS for the TV as they're doing for the car? You know, what will Apple do? Because right now, most of the interfaces on TV sets, they're perfectly awful, as you know. And it's like, well, I don't want to get into that. Let's look at the near future. We kind of sort of know, almost 100%, that Apple will hold a media event on September 10th for a new iPhone. Okay, what about the cheap iPhone, the so-called iPhone 5C? Does that meet what you expect to see? Yeah, um, we, we posted an article a while back about the, the 5C, the plastic iPhone, whatever you want to call it. And it, it makes sense because in the past it's made sense to you know just, just hand, hand down the, the old premium version and make it cheaper problem with the iphone 5 is because it's such a fussy assembly process you know they have to use the high resolution camera and get things within a few microns of each other so the iphone 5 doesn't get cheaper to make over time like the like the 4 or the 4s did to me from a business perspective it makes perfect sense to make a new 5 called the 5s make it the same way charge a premium but then for the the 5c the or you know that's we can just call it for now. But for that, just take the old five internals, put it in a plastic shell, put them in different colors. They're cheap to make. You can sell them for $99 or less, and the uh, developing markets are going to love them. Kids are going to love them. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Seriously speaking, the current iPhone 4, which we call the iPhone hand-me-down, is $450. The top of the line is like $650. Mm-hmm. I assume that an iPhone 5S will be $650. So if Apple is selling to developing countries, they've got to bring that price down below $400 and maybe closer to $300. Can an iPhone 5 innards, possibly more modern versions or cheaper versions of the chips in a plastic case, bring the price down to $350? Maybe. I don't think they necessarily have to get it cheaper, though, because, I mean, as we saw from their last quarterly statement, they're having explosive growth in developing markets. I think 
Their growth in India was like 400% during one quarter. They don't need to be cheaper per se. They just need to have a new product that's as cheap as the old one. And also the advantage of getting rid of the 4 and the 4S out of the lineup is you lose the 30-pin dock connector. You lose the um, the smaller screen you know, with the 5C that can get everyone on the same tech and, you know, make lightning a standard faster, make the larger screen a standard faster. And, you know, and with the multiple colors, they'll you know be able to appeal to more people. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a hit. If you build more of them of a single model, it's cheaper to produce each one. If a lot of the development of the internals has already been done, it's cheaper to build each one. Mm-hmm. The thing I wonder about also is whether Apple is going to do anything in terms of storage, because right now, you want to step up from a 16-gigabyte iPhone to a 32. It's $100. To get to 64, it's $100. Now, the difference in price between 16 and 32 is, what, $10? The difference in price between 32 and 64 is, what, $20, $30? So does Apple decide, you know what, maybe we should be more affordable with the upgrades? I, I, I would love to see that. In my opinion, the biggest thing I would like to see in the 5S is for the 16-gigabyte model to go. I won't buy one with less than 32, and I usually get that filled up in no time. You know, my my poor wife, just before this show, she was telling me that she couldn't update her, her apps because she'd ran out of storage on her 16-gig iPhone. And she's a pretty casual iPhone user. So, yeah, the, the 16 gigs is too too darn small, and, and people should have to pay uh, an extra $100 to get a reasonable amount of storage. And you think also that Apple has a corner on a very large portion of the solid-state memory market. The prices are becoming more affordable. And another thing, too, yes, I guess Wall Street will say, well, Apple's making less profit on the high-end smartphones, but if they could sell more units, it wouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure um, Tim Cook's too worried about what Wall Street says because mm, they say a lot of things. I mean, he, he certainly responds to investors but unlike a lot of public companies, I've worked for a few, um, unlike a lot of those public companies, I don't think the shareholders scream and he goes running. I, I, I think they're more resilient to that. And I, I think Tim Cook, and I think Apple knows what they need to do to succeed and be profitable and successful. But think of this. When Steve Ballmer decided or announced that he is retiring from Microsoft, Microsoft's stock price went up 7% the first day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? Isn't yeah. it nice to know that you're loved? <laughs> well, you know, if I had as much money as Steve Ballmer, I probably wouldn't care. His fortune went up a billion dollars as a result. Yeah, they, they fire him and he makes a billion dollars. I wouldn't be sad. I'd be walking out of the office whistling. All the way to the bank. Oh, yeah, all the way. Oh. In my yacht. Well, we can go into that, you know. Just think of all the riches from the few high-end Microsoft people we're diverted to the rest of the employees. They can all get like a 50% salary increase. <laughs> uh, there's an idea. I, I think they'd just be happy if they got rid of the stack ranking system first. All right. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> okay. So iPhone 5S, iPhone 5C, probably announced on September 10th, iOS 7. The phones will be available, say, Friday the 20th, which makes sense because T-Mobile is already blacking out that weekend. So that makes perfect sense. Okay. Does Apple have any surprises to come at that thing, or do we know everything? It sounds like we pretty much know everything about these phones. What is there for Apple to amaze us with? Mm, 
If I knew, it wouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they have something up their sleeve. What that is exactly, I don't know. Now, with the 5S, it's pretty easy to guess that they're going to have some kind of fingerprint scanner. You know, we've heard about people um, finding clues for that in the in the iOS 7 beta builds. And so that, I think that'll be exciting. I, I think they're going to have something. Maybe a new Apple TV. We know it won't be an iPad. Dalrymple's, Dalrymple has already noped the iPad on the 10th. That's uh, Jim Dalrymple, by the way, at the loop at loopinsight.com. And when Jim Dalrymple says yes, no, yay, or nay, it is always true. He is so well-connected. With one word, he can move mountains. But, uh, yeah, no iPad. Um, yeah, maybe. I can see maybe an Apple TV, possibly even a watch. Um, who knows? It's pretty clear they're working on something in that regard. But whether we'll sit this year or the next, who can say? Well, one thing is I like the fact that Apple had the last keynote, okay, the one of WWDC on the Apple TV. So I could see it on my 55-inch TV getting a much better picture, a much better impression of what went on than I ever got sitting in the auditorium at a WWDC keynote or a mm-hmm. Macworld Expo keynote. I used to do that, you know. I used to go to San Francisco and see these things. And if I fought or if I was lucky or if I got in there early enough, I'd be in the first 10 rows. Mm-hmm. But it's so much more comfortable to watch it from the comfort of your TV. Absolutely. Um, I, I covered my first one this year, and that's that's how I did it. <laughs> Tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that Josh Centers does. Most of my articles you can find on tidbits.com, and I still occasionally blog on my personal website, joshcenters.com. All right, that's tidbits.com. Of course, you can go to their companion site, takecontrolbooks.com, for a great selection of new ebooks, including one right now on security. Okay. Take control of your online privacy, our new book by Joe Kissel that I'm very excited about. Joe Kissel has written about a thousand books, so that's another one. <laughs> that's oh, just this past year. <laughs> that past hour. Josh Sanders, <laughs> thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for having me, Gene. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. It's hurricane and wildfire season again. Why do thousands of people sit in these reoccurring problem areas year after year, betting their lives that the disaster won't get them? Hundreds of you helped eFoods Direct ship 50,000 donated meals to the Oklahoma victims. The problem is we can't help everybody. If every one of us who can will take care of ourselves, we can all pitch in to take care of those who really can't. 
The new just-in-case pack from eFoods Direct is the big brother to the seven-day emergency pack designed for Oklahoma disaster donations. It contains a two-month supply for one person, or a one-month supply for two adults, or a two-week supply for a family of four. The $320 price is $50 less than retail. Call 800-409-5633 on the web eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex. Order two or more, get 10% off, free shipping applies. Call 800-409-5633 on the web eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex. Alabama, it's coming, and it's the event you and your family will not want to miss. The Southern Preppers Convention and Green Living Expo, Saturday and Sunday, September 7th and 8th, at the newly renovated Oxford Civic Center in Oxford, Alabama, where admission is totally free. There's something for everyone. Free classes and seminars on topics like food preparation, food harvesting, and food preservation. Free giveaways every 30 minutes. You could win seed kits, food, doTERRA oil, starter kits, water filters, and more, including a year's supply of food. Guest speakers include Bob from Black Dog Survival School, Mike from White Harvest Seeds, Dr. Tom Stoner from Dr. Med Kits, and more. And be sure to stop by and check out the Longevity booth, the Southern Preppers Convention and Green Living Expo, September 7th and 8th, a weekend of education and preparation that's totally free to attend. Don't forget, the Country Inn and Suites in Oxford has special rates available for those who attend the expo. Get all the details at thesouthernpreppers.com. That's thesouthernpreppers.com. Is your dream more time, more money, or better health? Stop by our Longevity booth at the Minnesota State Fair and say hello to the GCN team reps and get your healthy energy drink on the way to the fair. Sign up for door prizes and find out about our amazing home-based business opportunity as featured in Success Magazine, located near the main entry to the State Fair off Snelling and Dan Patch Avenue at 1366 Snelling Avenue North or call 651-261-2040. You know about RVs, you've heard about bunkers, but surviving is not recreation, and man wasn't made to live underground. Introducing Survivalist Camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid survival bug-out house that's mobile, well-equipped, and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Go to survivalistcamps.com to learn more. That's survivalistcamps.com, providing your basic needs to survive. Survivalistcamps.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. So, sir. Yes. I would like to ask you, I understand we'll soon no longer have Steve Ballmer to kick around anymore. Why are you quitting Microsoft? Well, you know, things have been pretty good around here at Microsoft. You know, revenues raised, profits have tripled. You know, it's been a pretty good run, but I think maybe it's time to give someone else a chance. So you're doing this out of the goodness of your heart? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think that I've done what I can here at this company to, to, to make it into a better place. But, you know, things have, things have got to move. Things have got to change. Let me ask you a question here, then. When it was announced that you're going to retire from Microsoft, that day the stock price went up 7%. Isn't that kind of, you know, discouraging? <laughs> Gene, I'm already at a point where I, I can only laugh in response to your questions. All right, so we have the fake Steve Ballmer morphing into Brian Chaffin from the Mac Observer. I, I, I said 
I've said on your show, I've been saying on the Apple Context Machine, I've written for a long time that the the Steve Ballmer is has got to go, and you know now he's he he in fact stepped down. Supposedly, this process started in 2010, to which I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little bit curious about, but uh, in 2010, yes, that's what he said. Or there was a, a Bloomberg story based on leaks. I'm, I can only imagine that Steve Ballmer made sure those leaks got out there. But but he said that he approached the board and asked them what a succession plan would look like in 2010. First, you know, something to to happen in the next few years, and that that's supposedly when it started. Well, the guy's worth what ten billion dollars. I don't feel sorry for him. Yeah, I think it's a little bit less than that. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't feel sorry for him. I don't even think he's a bad guy. He's just not the guy to run. Actually, I think he's probably a great guy. He's probably a great guy. He's probably a tremendous friend because I think he's extremely loyal. But that doesn't make him a good guy to run Microsoft. He's he's just not a product guy. He's a sales guy. Did Did you read that piece by Ben Thompson uh, on his personal blog at Strategery? If Steve Ballmer ran Apple. You know, I heard of it. I didn't have a chance to read it, but I agree with you that Bomber possibly is the kind of guy you want to have a beer with, which I would if I drank beer. I don't. Ah, but tell me, about, tell me about the article. So Ben Thompson ran through a little intellectual exercise. Like, what if, what if Steve Bomber ran Apple? You know, so he said that uh, the first thing he would do is, is go after uh, uh, low-priced iPhones to tremendously increase Apple's uh, footprint in China that he would target uh, the enterprise market and make sure that Apple was doing everything it could to make enterprise happy, that he would expand the sales force uh, along those lines, that he would incentivize that sales force to accomplish these goals. Uh, You know, he would do all of these things that we often hear outside analysts and pundits saying that Apple should do, that that this would result in a massive increase in Apple's near-term profits and revenues, like, say, over the next five years. The punchline, of course, is that what that would do in the meanwhile is make sure that Apple never innovated again, because it would put the company on this path not to making great products, but to protecting its current profits and revenues, which is what Microsoft has done under Steve Ballmer. It was, it was a fantastic piece. I, I heartily recommend reading it. All right, so this is about what would happen if Steve Ballmer ran Apple, but maybe he would run into the ground. Well, he would make it a lot more profitable, but he would make it. He would he would kill innovation. So, what he's doing there at Microsoft, or did do at Microsoft, killed innovation. But the way that company is organized, it seems to be a bunch of little fiefdoms. And when you're looking to play in your own little sandbox, you don't look out for the good of the company. Yeah, well, there, there's that plus. Microsoft, you know, every decision that Microsoft uh, has made product-wise uh, has been made along the lines of protecting and extending the Windows legacy. And compare that to Apple. Apple is willing to kill its most popular products when it sees something better. You know, Apple is willing to cannibalize itself if that's what the if that's where the market's going to go, or if that's where it can even lead the markets. And Microsoft has never been willing to do that. They've always been trying to artificially prop up Office. And Windows, and it is entirely artificial. You know, like they have, they had really cool concepts like the Courier tablet. Do you, do you happen to remember that from about, I don't know, three years ago, two years ago? Remind our listeners who don't follow all this inside baseball. Sure, um, it was a concept tablet device that got leaked. That got leaked to the outside world, and it was like a book. So you open it up, and there's two displays. You know, and and it's hinged. 
There's a display on either page, just like a book. And then they had all of these different ways of organizing and interacting with your content uh, in a way that, that that really made this this sort of tablet thing like it's like I, I keep thinking of it as like a a really useful interactive journal. You know, you could do documents, you could surf the web, you could organize your thoughts, you could do all these really cool things, and none of it had anything to do with Windows, and it was killed. I want to say it was Steven Sanofsky that killed it because he was and he's no longer at Microsoft because he got terminated, but he was one of the people that was definitely always trying to prop up Windows in part because it was his little fiefdom. But isn't that, of course, what Steve Ballmer wanted? Well, seemingly. It's not somebody walks to Steve Ballmer and says, you know what, you're going to have to think here that we have to look in a new world and Windows everywhere doesn't work here. Yeah, or even would he, would he just tell that person leave the company or throw him out of the office? It seems like it. It seems like it. And and the problem is is that doing so has increased profits and revenues. Microsoft makes a lot more money than did when Steve Ballmer took over, even though the stock price is essentially flat, which is fascinating. And it's because everyone knows that there's nothing new coming out of Microsoft. There's they're not a leader in any way whatsoever. They don't have the ability right now to come up with a new product because they're not willing to kill their existing products. And that's, that's just such a problem. On the other hand, you could say perversely that Windows 8 kills Windows. Yes, but it's not replacing Windows. <laughs> that's, that's the problem, right? It's not. It's not killing Windows by introducing something new that's going to obviate Windows. It's just killing Windows by making no one want it. Well, one way or the other, it's certainly going to have that effect. Yeah, seems- I can't believe what's going on here. I still think, and I've mentioned this before on the show, Microsoft is a company that tends to do focus groups. So I wonder, what about the focus group testing? Did they do that on Windows 8? Did people tell them, this is a train wreck. I can't use this. Get rid of this thing. I, that is a fantastic question. I mean, no one seems to like it. It's it's a it's a compromise. You know, it compromises the tablet side and it compromises the Windows side too. It's it's just a mis- it's a mismatch of corporate goals, and that's just the wrong way to design a product. What can I tell you? By the way, I'm Brian Chaffin from the Mac Observer. I never heard of him. <laughs> We just kind of. Anyway, so this is, of course, the big question. Would Microsoft have even realized what happened? And as I suggest in some of my articles, it's not that Microsoft hasn't had ideas that had potential, it's that they've kind of gone into it from the wrong way. Like, for example, tablets. They were pushing tablets for years, but they thought of tablets as being tools of the enterprise that would filter down from the 1% to the 99% in the consumer's hands, as opposed to Apple's approach was to make it a consumer product that appealed to the businesses. Of course, I'm not trying to get into this political commentary about the 1% versus the 99% or the 47% versus the 53%. I'm just trying to draw a comparison here where Microsoft is using this kind of trickle-down method in their concept of what tablets were supposed to be. Uh, that's true. And actually, it was I think it was more like Apple made the iPad to, to appeal consumers and then price could do with it what they wanted. 
Exactly. Like well, it seemed like it was even more lackadaisical than, you know. Well, I guess, but you do have the situation here where businesses tend to bring yes. the consumer toys into the office and the IT people say, yeah, I guess we have to deal with this, especially if the boss is the one. Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer, who may never again appear as a fake Steve Ballmer, but not if we can help it. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. This October, thousands of people from all corners of the world will descend upon Orem, Utah. But it's more than the fall colors or the snow-capped Wasatch Mountains that brings them. It's the semi-annual Great Utah Preparedness Expo at the Utah Valley University Event Center. It's the most unique preparedness event on Earth, with over 30 world-class lecturers giving over 50 presentations. Learn from experts about below-ground greenhouses, super winter survival, herbal medicine, bunker building, even urban evasion and Escape tactics taught by SEAL team trainers. These people are the very best, and they only get together twice a year at the Great Utah Preparedness Expo. There's also over 100 vendors selling very unique preparedness, emergency, and survival equipment, plus solar and alternative energy products. The semi-annual Great Utah Preparedness Expo, October 11th and 12th in Orem, Utah. Sponsored by Longevity. For more, visit superprepfair.com. That's superprepfair.com. 
A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer joining us. We're focusing on the trials and tribulations of Microsoft. So Microsoft has this reorganization that Steve Ballmer put into effect. Yep. Okay, so you put a new CEO there. Does the CEO say, okay, fine, let's see it through, or throw it out, let's start from scratch? Well, to give Steve Ballmer a little bit of credit, do do you remember, you, you of course remember Gil Emilio? Yes, not in a very good way. No, actually, Gil Emilio brought in Steve Jobs, and he was a very bright man. He invented, I mentioned earlier, one of the people who invented the CCD, the charge couple detector that's part of your sensing device for digital cameras. The guy was a brilliant engineer. He was a brilliant engineer, and he was known as the turnaround artist, and he was brought in to save Apple. He was an Apple board member, and he was brought in to save Apple. And Gil Emilio did a lot of great things for Apple that I don't think he gets any credit for. And one of those, of course, was killing Copeland. Killing Copeland, the long-rumored, long-desired successor OS to the Mac OS um, that was going to, you know, be all that, a bag of chips and make sliced bread and a bread maker or two. I mean, just, you know, it was just supposed to be fantastic, but it was this complete catastrophe. And he killed it. He had the guts to kill it. He had the guts to take control back from the engineers. He killed lots of different products at Apple. He sliced Apple's infrastructure. You know, he did, he did a lot of pairing. He did a lot of layoffs, you know, fired a lot of people. And he did a lot of, he did, he did some of this stuff at Steve Jobs's request because Steve Jobs didn't want to do the dirty work. And, you know, I think people tend to, tend to sort of overlook that fact. But the point is this, he made Apple into a much leaner machine that made Steve Jobs' job a lot easier when he ended up kicking Gil to the curb. Did Gil expect to be kicked to the curb? I don't think so. Maybe. That's, that's an interesting question. I, I should track him down and ask him. Right. Um, Did you ever talk to him? I've never talked to Gil. No, I've talked to some of the uh, some of the other people that were at Apple in between when Steve Jobs left and when he came back, but I haven't talked to Gil. That'd be interesting so. to see whether he anticipated that all the things he was doing would end up resulting in his departure. Okay, but you were drawing a comparison here. Yeah. So to Steve Ballmer's credit, he has made Microsoft's leaner. 
I wouldn't call it lean, but leaner than it was, a little more manageable for the next guy or girl to come in and uh, and take over the company. As a matter of fact, my assumption at this point is that this reorganization was designed with that in mind. I think that, that Steve Ballmer has... Do you remember me saying that, that I think that, that Steve would die for Microsoft, but he didn't love Microsoft enough to quit? I may have been wrong about that. You know, Steve Ballmer may have decided to quit because he knew that he needed to go. And uh, and I think that this reorganization is part of that, and, and uh, it's going to be easier than it would have been for a, a new person to uh, take over. And you look at it this way, too. Remember, Steve Ballmer has a family. Mm-hmm. He has kids going to college, that kind of thing. You wonder if Mrs. Ballmer didn't say, you know what, what do you need this for? We have more money than we ever will need for 10 lifetimes that our children will ever need for 10 lifetimes. Give up the rat race. Let's have some fun in life. Well, it can almost be just like that. You know, think about it here. We know Bill Gates went into philanthropy, although he still obviously has an iron fist in there at Microsoft. But do you ever think that maybe it's not just Steve Ballmer being forced from the top, but being forced by the people close to him to say, give it up, man? Um, Maybe. I think. I think that you are a kind and generous soul, Gene Steinberg. Oh, no, not at all. Kind and generous soul. I don't think that money has ever been a motiv- much of a motivating factor for Steve Ballmer. I think that he loved that company for good or for ill. And that he was all, you know, he was just really, really interested in, you know, having his buddy Bill Gates' back and doing his best for everybody. And that he did the best job that he could. And unfortunately, that best job, as I've said now many times, was was not the right job for Microsoft. I have long I, I have long wondered why Bill Gates allowed him to stay for so long. And I, one of the stories that has come out of this uh, out of his retirement is that when he approached the board and said, "I'm going to retire," Bill Gates did not ask him to stay. And I, I find that really interesting. And this is the guy who had his back. Yeah. So he got the message. This is his college buddy. This is somebody he practically grew up with. Uh, yeah, sure. He's been, you know, Steve Ballmer has been at Microsoft since near the early days. He wasn't technically a co-founder, but he was one of the early employees. And he, he finished up school and then, and then went to work for Microsoft uh, after he got his degree. He joined them in 1980. Okay. So he's with that company for 33 years which in the tech business is 12 eternities combined. (laughs) Yes, yes it is. Okay, so that's where we go. All right, so you're assuming here that the new reorganization plan is for the next guy. Yeah, to make it easier for the next person to to reshape Microsoft. So he can take that, whatever it is, and build it into whoever he hopes to be, depending on, of course on what kind of structure it gives. But what does Microsoft get? Do they get a turnaround artist? Do they get somebody with a vision? Do they get somebody who thinks that maybe the best thing to do is to take this behemoth and spin off the parts into more profitable companies? What do they do next? That is such a great question. You know, to me, the number one characteristic of of the next CEO of Microsoft has got to be the willingness to kill the goose that's laying the golden egg. Um, and I don't know that Microsoft's board is strong enough to do that because they did, after all, leave Ballmer in charge as long as they did. Um, but the 
the second most important characteristic has got to be a passion for making great products. You know, like a like a like a John Rubenstein, or um, um, and that's <laughs> that's about it. Unfortunately, I don't think I don't think John Rubenstein has enough success or clout to take over a company like Microsoft. But they need someone who's got that passion for products, a passion for making great products, and the willingness to kill the goose that's laying the golden egg. Well, we put John Rubenstein into Palm, and that didn't do so well. What about Scott Forstall? Uh, I think that i don't think scott has has got the management chops for a com- company like microsoft i think that someone like scott forstall would want to come in and pretty much fire you know just everybody and you know and just take it i mean this, this scott is, scott is a hardware guy and and microsoft doesn't do a lot of hardware and despite steve balmer's uh, stated desire of becoming a products and services company a hardware and services company I don't know that sticking um, sticking sticking someone like like Scott Forstall at the top of the company would work. It would certainly make for a fun and interesting rivalry for at least a while. It'd be fantastic because I no doubt he would be keen on uh, on on uh, you know showing uh, Tim Cook uh, uh, you know that he's not the boss of him. All right. So who out there? can become Microsoft CEO or is he somebody from within the company or is he somebody heading another company or within another company's corporate organization who hasn't been allowed to shine? Mm, that is a great question. Um, it, I don't know. I don't think it could be anyone within Microsoft. Um, I, I think that, I think that they need someone to shake things up more. You know, and and that actually is an argument for someone like Scott Scott Forstall. You know, someone who really would come in and and just you know do a lot of fire. Like one of the things I said was was uh, I had five free tips for Microsoft's board. I wrote this I don't know six weeks ago, and one of my things was you know find the people who looked at the iPad and examined the success of the iPad and came up with the with the the idea that what people really want is a keyboard. Find those people and fire them because those people are stupid and find the people who, who said no to things like that. Find the people who were behind a product like courier, find them and promote them, you know, get rid of these people making the bad decisions and, and the, you know, that look at things in all of the wrong ways, find those people and terminate them and then promote the people who have, who have been saying no to Microsoft's uh, course. Find the person who said with Windows 8, how dare you try to build this train wreck? It's never going to work. Or are those people too afraid to say things like that because they'll lose their jobs, they'll lose their stock options. You never know. We have Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. A lot more to cover in our next segment. We'll start talking about all those rumors about what Apple is going to announce the day after my birthday. You'll find out what that means very soon. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. Now, I can't say which year this was because they didn't have calendars then. Mm, right. It was before writing, right? Oh, before writing. You know, we were doing just little drawings on the caves. Yeah, right. In fact, it was before the drawings on the caves it was before the hieroglyphics mm. i was born on september 9th okay translated to the current calendar on september 10th the day after apple will allegedly although jim dalrymple of the loop says so and so it's going to be true they're going to have their media event their iphone media event okay so we have a whole bunch of rumors out there and in our previous segment with josh over from tidbits we talked a little bit about the iPhone 5C, but let's frame that. What rumors, Brian Chaffin, do you hear about the iPhone 5C? Is this a real thing? It's absolutely a real thing. This is a real device. It's going to be a plastic back device. Uh, it's going to come in multiple colors. Uh, it's going to be very. And they're going to sing the song She's a Rainbow by the Rolling Stones. Uh, I don't think they'll do that again. Didn't they do that with the iMac? Yes, they did. So um, I doubt they'll repeat that, but you never know. You never know. Uh, it's going to have innards very similar to the iPhone 5. I've been saying for a while that I think that Apple will kill the iPhone 4, the 4S, and the 5 when it releases these two new products. Uh, I am more convinced of that than ever, especially with this, these new rumors that this device on the inside is very similar to the iPhone 5. And uh, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's, it's basically it's going to be a, a less expensive version of the iPhone 5 with the plastic back. 
Now, we, we've seen some, um, in the last week or so, we've seen some scratch tests. You know, there, there, are, there, are so, there are so many leaked versions of this phone that, that people are putting them in bags with screws and knives and keys and paper clips and, you know, et cetera, coins, and then shaking them up just to see if they'll scratch because that's how many leaked ones there are. I assume that's how they probably test it for real, right? Um, I would imagine that Apple does a lot of, um, uh, you know, like there are a lot of robots that are scratching things and rubbing on things. So we have robotic pockets with keys and knives and all that stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I wonder if they're actually in pockets. Who knows? Well, I, I don't know how Apple actually tests it, but... Um, we, we saw someone throw one of these things into a, a big baggie with all these things and rub it and rub it and rub it and, you know, and then you know, scrape at it with, uh, with individual items and couldn't see any marks on it. It seems like it's really durable. Now, that's interesting because previous Apple products were supposedly prone to scratching. Yeah, some of them were, but, but not the original ones that had the plastic bags. Those weren't particularly known for scratching. And what we didn't see, of course, is the the display. We don't know how well the display is going to hold up. I, I, I think it's a safe assumption that the iPhone 5C and the iPhone 5S, the displays will be you know, similar in those regards to everything that's come before it. Okay, so as I mentioned in our previous segment, instead of having an iPhone hand-me-down, Apple has a new low-price entry. And supposedly... If they're going to make it two hundred or two hundred fifty dollars less expensive, can Apple do that just by making it cheaper to build? Yeah, that. So I'm thinking it's going to be three fifty, four hundred dollars, somewhere in that price range is where I think it's going to it's going to start. Maybe two ninety nine, but probably three fifty to four hundred. And Apple can do that because part of what adds to the expense of manufacturing. The iPhone is uh, failure rates. It's the very tight tolerances in the company's flagship lines. And heretofore, every iPhone that Apple has had on the market was at one point a flagship device, right? The Apple has not been targeting. They, they didn't design anything from the ground up to be less expensive to manufacture until what we're going to see on the 10th, which is the iPhone 5C. So the iPhone 4, for example, was expensive to build. The iPhone 4S was expensive to build because it had all these sophisticated manufacturing processes. So now you say, okay, let's do something with plastic. Besides, that's what Samsung does, and it hasn't hurt them none, huh? Well, no, it hasn't, and it, it's what Apple did before the the iPhone 4. The, the original iPhone, the iPhone 3G and the iPhone 3GS were all plastic-backed devices. But you know, it's 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 more than just a back though. It's it's definitely it's it's not going to have the same kind of tight tolerances that the uh, the four, the four S, and the five had. And those tight tolerances will instead be represented by the by the new flagship device, which will be the five S. And of course, we assume over the years that these parts, even if they're basically similar to the iPhone five, are much cheaper this year to make. What about the fact that Apple charges so much for flash memory upgrades? And there's something else I mentioned, the fact that, for example, you go from a 16 gigabyte to a 32 gigabyte iPhone, it's a $100 step. But the parts cost them, what, $10 more? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> you know, it's, it's what Apple does. It's, what, uh, it's part of why they make such fabulous profits. It is 
a choke point that they can control and they and they do it and it's not like the other manufacturers uh, aren't doing the same thing and generally speaking double the memory is about 100 bucks more for everybody else too but what if you made it 50 dollars totally upend the market Why? yes you sacrifice a few profits but people will buy more of them knowing the step up is cheaper well i would guess uh logically speaking that apple has run the numbers and decided that there's not enough of a gain in new sales uh, to offset the lower profits per per item. All right, so the iPhone 5C available in a bunch of colors in plastic for maybe $299, $349, or $399. Where would you settle on the price? $349 or $399? I think $299 is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I don't think Apple could do $299. I don't think they will do $299. I don't think they want to to start a phone that, that inexpensively, even if they could, which, you know, obviously Apple could, could design a $99 phone if they wanted to, but, but they don't want to compete in that segment of the market. Uh, I'm actually going to fall in at 379 to start. I don't know. Apple tends to go to 49s and 99s. Well, their the, pricing. the iPad mini was 329. That's true. So say it's 379 for the iPhone 5C, essentially an iPhone 5 in a plastic case. Mm-hmm. Now, the iPhone 5S is going to look the same as the iPhone 5. I guess they're talking about fingerprint recognition because Apple bought Authentech, a Florida-based company that does fingerprint recognition. So we kind of expect that, but not NFC. I don't see that, do you? No, you know, John Martellara wrote a piece. um, Did you talk to John about that? Yes, I did. He didn't accept that as a possibility either. Yeah, I'm with John on this. I think he's done a very good uh, examination of this. Uh, I believe that Apple is basically never going to release an NFC device. And I think that iBeacons, which is a uh, a, a uh, Bluetooth uh, implementation, that iBeacons are going to be Apple's solution for everything that people are currently using NFC for. Okay. Well, certainly it's going to have more range. doesn't require all new hardware. It's an existing standard. Just modifying existing standards, so we'll see what happens. Of course, Samsung will still boast features that nobody uses, so that's where you yeah. go. All right, anything else in the iPhone 5S that might be different, unique, strange, whatever? Well, we've got the, the gold ones. Uh, I'm 100% on those. Those are absolutely coming. It's that, that gold slash champagne finish on the back. And, and this week we saw uh, some scratch tests. Again, there are so many leaked devices. People are willing to bang them up just to see what they look like. But uh, we saw a scratch test with some coins and a knife on on the uh, the gold uh, uh, on on the gold iPhone 5s, um, and it held up better than uh, the black iPhone 5, which is interesting. Um, there's a vague possibility we're going to get a gunmetal gray iPhone, but the that particular rumor is based only on a single SIM tray that that leaked into the wild. So. I'm not putting a lot of stock into that one yet, but it certainly looks uh, could look interesting. All right, so we have the white, so we have the black, and so we have the gold or a champagne or something of that nature. Yes, for sure. Uh, okay, so you can go for the gold if you want with the iPhone. Maybe they'll make it of gold and you can buy one for $10,000, a $10,000 iPhone 5S gold. I'm just joking. Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30%, while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us, and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends, if you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships, if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise, and you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world, and we're hiring right now. We offer benefits and an excellent commission structure. Experience preferred, but we'll train the right person. Is that you? Submit your resume today to advertise at GCNlive.com. Again, that's advertise at GCNlive.com. Come work with the Genesis Communications Network, an equal opportunity employer. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. 
GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Here on the Tech Night Now Live, we have Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. And earlier we had a very short visit of the fake Steve Bomber because he's on his way out, so we're not going to hear from him again. All right, <laughs> iPhone 5S, any surprises that you think Apple might stick in there? We kind of know about the fingerprint sensor. We think that's going to happen. The gold plate and all that. What else? So the, the thing, we, we know all the stuff that's coming in iOS 7. Uh, the fingerprint thing is going to be interesting i i'm of the camp that says that apple's not quite ready to do uh fingerprint relating to payments and if that's the case i don't think we're going to see payments at all yet um uh, it'll certainly be a very interesting development when apple does do that uh i think that we're going to see it's going to have the the same resolution on the display um it's probably going to have some pretty outrageous battery life. That's going to be, I think, the one thing that they can really surprise us with is a significant increase in battery life. So it won't have to be like a Droid Maxi, which is very fat. Right. So how much more battery life are you expecting? I think that it's possible that Apple could surprise us with a 50, 50 to 80% increase in battery life. And that would make it the longest-lived uh, uh, the longest battery life on the market. Uh, and I'm basing that mainly on the fact that, that, that Apple did the same thing with the MacBook Airs. The current MacBook Airs have insane battery life. I think that, that what the, the MacBook Air was in part benefiting from research being done with uh, iOS uh, and, and the iOS devices. So I, 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 think that, I think that Apple could, could see a significant increase on battery life on the iPhone 5S. Well, I know what they're doing with multitasking is to make it run more efficiently. With iOS 7, the other thing here is, does Apple use a slightly larger battery and reduce the size of the components? Is the rumored A7 going to be more power efficient? Is it going to be a 64-bit chip? Inquiring uh, minds want to know. I don't think it'll be a 64-bit chip. I think Apple's been playing with that, but uh, I don't think they're playing with that for uh, iOS devices, at least not this generation of iOS device. There's no need for it. There is no need for it. The iPhones and iPads don't have enough memory in them to, to really take advantage of that in the first place. Um, right, we're talking about having, you know, one gigabyte of memory. Now, if you had four and more, then you start seeing the need for it. Otherwise, it's just something to boast about. Yes, that's true, which is the case with, with a lot of Android devices. A lot of Android fans like to brag about the uh, the processor and or amount of memory in their devices. But the reality is that they actually need that, and Apple doesn't. Apple controls the hardware and the software, and Apple's devices are orders of magnitude more efficient than competing devices. 
And this is especially, you know, Apple just bought, we have had the, the story this week that Apple bought uh, Algotrim, which is a Swedish company that uh, specializes in compression technologies. You know, the, those technologies are going are to be used to further differentiate Apple's products going forward uh, by making them more efficient. You know, Apple is really pushing efficiency and mobility and battery life and low power consumption. Apple, a- Apple is responsible for most of the advances that we've seen. And by responsible, I don't mean that they invented them all, but they've been pushing all of their suppliers to do this stuff. And, uh, and, and, and that's having, you know, that's why the iPhone 5 and now the 5S, it's why it can be as small as it is and, 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 and have such amazing battery life. And, um, uh, and these things are important. These things, these things are important. They actually, you know, there are so many iOS devices out there. This actually means we use less juice. That's a good thing. Means also batteries don't have to be as big. Less recycling issues. Yeah. Yeah. Less charging. Uh, you know, on and on and on. Apple is able to pair hardware to the software in a, like, in a, in a way, like I said, that, that no one else can do. And, uh, uh, you know, especially with all the chip designing that they're, that they're doing as well. And, and um, there are some interesting things going on behind the scene that I think that Apple is the only company that can do. I'll be interested in seeing how performance improvements and battery life efficiencies work with OS X Mavericks. Because Apple is being very blatant about memory compression, about being having more control over apps that are no longer active, ways to make it run even more efficiently on a notebook. Yeah, I, I am too. It's We definitely live in science fiction fun times right now. Well, then we'll have a quantum computer. The Apple Quantum. Not the Quadra, the Quantum. But it seems to me here, Brian Chaffin, that we all sort of know, based on the leaks, and we're assuming that at least some of those leaks are authentic, what Apple is going to do on September 10th. How do they amaze us? How do they surprise us? Can they? No. Now, the days of Apple being able to keep a product under wraps before it's released are over. There are too many hands in the pie or the pot, whatever the whatever that, that phrase is. You know, there's, there's at least a million set of hands that are going into uh, uh, making these products in the few months leading up to a product release. And, you know, I'm not only talking about all the manufacturing hands and the assembly hands. You know, we know that, that, that there are roughly 700,000 people that, that work on Apple's supply chain in uh, Asia. But in addition to them, we've got all the people making the components, too. You know, there's a lot of people that are working on making the displays that go into an Apple device. And, you know, a lot of those people work for Samsung. There are a lot of people who are making those cases, the plastic backs and the, and the metal backs. You know, it's, it's why there were so many of them released. And this is in addition to all the people working for Apple that have access to this stuff, too. There are too many people for Apple to be able to keep the secret. The, the Mac Pro would be, I think, the only thing that we hadn't seen leaked in years. Would you agree? I would think so, yeah. And the question is here, does Apple have another product in the winds Everybody's spending so much time thinking about the next iPad, thinking about, of course, the forthcoming Mac Pro, and, of course, the iPhone. They're not thinking about that other product that nobody's talking about. Or maybe they're talking about it, but they don't think it's going to come this quickly. 
Well, we don't know what the what the what Apple's watch product, its wrist product, is gonna is going to look like. We we only know that Apple's working on that. That one hasn't leaked out into the wild yet. Um, we also don't know yet what Apple's big TV bet is going to look like. But I think that that's definitely still coming too. You really think it's going to be an Apple TV? You mean a, a TV set? Yes, an Apple TV set. That is, that is a great question, and I am of, of mixed minds on it. I believe that Apple is, the very least that Apple is going to do is continue to add services to the set-top box. But I think that will eventually lead to a new set-top box, one that maybe has uh, uh, enough uh, uh, storage for, for instance, DVR capabilities. Um, Why would they do that if they don't just use iCloud? Because you don't want to be writing... If Apple is going to make it possible... If Apple is going to act as the interface to... Uh, Oh, I just realized how they could do that. Huh. Okay, and we're going to figure out what conclusion he had in his Eureka moment. <laughs> With Brian Chaffin, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Folks, you'll want to hear this. No matter what size your business, people don't take you seriously unless you have a professional-looking website. You can empower your business with a stunning online presence, and it's free. Join over 30 million people who have built their websites with Wix. Once again, it's completely free. It requires absolutely no design or coding skills. Want to know more? Check out Wix.com. That's W-I-X. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio radio this october thousands of people from all corners of the world will descend upon orem utah but it's more than the fall colors or the snow-capped wasatch mountains that brings them it's the semi-annual great utah preparedness expo at the utah valley university event center it's the most unique preparedness event on earth with over 30 world-class lecturers giving over 50 presentations learn from experts about below ground greenhouses super winter survival herbal medicine bunker building even urban evasion and escape tactics taught by seal team trainers these people are the very best and they only get together twice a year at the great utah preparedness expo there's also over 100 vendors selling very unique preparedness emergency and survival equipment plus solar and alternative energy products the semi-annual great utah preparedness expo october 11th and 12th in orem utah sponsored by longevity for more visit superprepfair.com that's superprepfair.com 
It's hurricane and wildfire season again. Why do thousands of people sit in these reoccurring problem areas year after year, betting their lives that the disaster won't get them? Hundreds of you helped eFoods Direct ship 50,000 donated meals to the Oklahoma victims. The problem is we can't help everybody. If every one of us who can will take care of ourselves, we can all pitch in to take care of those who really can't. The new just-in-case pack from eFoods Direct is the big brother to the seven-day emergency pack designed for Oklahoma disaster donations. It contains a two-month supply for one person, or a one-month supply for two adults, or a two-week supply for a family of four. The $320 price is $50 less than retail. Call 800-409-5633 on the web eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex. Order two or more, get 10% off, free shipping applies. Call 800-409-5633 on the web eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex. What if you had a witness everywhere you drive? Now you can with VideoDashCam.com. From truckers to motorcyclists, the handy Video Dash Cam can be used for insurance claims, accidents, police encounters, road rage, or natural disasters. Has instant screen playback and optional night vision. Get the best quality, affordable HD dash cameras available at VideoDashCam.com. That's VideoDashCam.com. Or call 855-855-2022. Always have a witness with Video Dash Cam. You've thought about it for years. Well, the time is now. You need a secret bunker, and you need it deep and strong. Atlas Survival Shelters should be your first and only choice. The experts at Atlas can help you choose a shelter that has all the comforts of your home and is 11 times stronger than square box shelters. Call Atlas at 1-855-4-BUNKERS. 1-855-4-BUNKERS. Or visit IWantThatBunker.com. Atlas Survival Shelters. Better prepared than scared. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Presenting the Eureka Moment from Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. How does Apple handle this? Don't they so, have iCloud? What's the solution I, to a DVR in an Apple TV? Think that. Apple wants to be the interface between us and our cable provider slash satellite provider. I believe right, that right. is one of Apple's goals. And not just to have everything you know streaming from, say, iTunes. And the way they could do that, because if you're going to do that, you have to, in today's market, offer the ability to record and show a program at a later date that if you can't do that, you might as well not even enter the market. DVRs are an essential part of the TV watching experience at this point. So the way Apple could do that and not have local storage would be to do what they do with iTunes match. And and they simply match the show that you say you want to record and watch later uh, to their copy of that show in the cloud and stream it from the cloud when you're ready to watch it. That's okay, but the other shoe has to drop. That's fine. That makes sense. But what happens when you exceed your ISP's bandwidth cap? Um, it sucks to be you. That that isn't that is an issue. That is an issue, and 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 you know bandwidth caps in theory will will go up. But you know, it, well, it, ah, you know, <laughs> Apple just bought Algotrim. And they specialize in compression technologies. 
You know, th- these are things that would help Apple do that kind of streaming in a, a less intensive, a less bandwidth intensive fashion. Or what they do here is they make deals with some of these ISPs, these broadband ISPs, that if they're going to be feeding you tons of content exceeding your bandwidth cap, they give them a little premium, a spiff yeah. on the side. Yeah, Apple could definitely pay the backbone providers and and pay the the, the major cable providers a stipend um, to not count their content. Uh, that's definitely possible. Also, uh, it's a lot cheaper to have like an Apple TV than to have to build these complicated set-top boxes with huge hard drives, having to allocate content. You know, now you have all these new models now, like the Genie from DirecTV, where it's running, what, four or five shows at a time? Mm-hmm. And you got to think of the way it's parceling out that data onto these big hard drives. And mm-hmm. you got to think there's a cheaper, better way to do it if it's all done in the cloud. Yeah, that's true. Of course, that means you have to have Internet access to be able to watch your stuff, and the only people that can ever take advantage of the situation are people with broadband uh, access. But I think that Apple's willing to live with those limitations because... Um, that's going to be the high end of the market, even if in this case the high end is defined pretty broadly. Um, people who don't have broadband may not be target. Or, uh, well, I'll just be more honest. They're not going to be Apple's target market. So we think there'll be a souped up Apple TV. Yeah. And, you know, the reason why I think that Apple might want to release an actual TV set is that there are revenues and profit margins to go with those revenues that are enough to move the needle. And Apple would love to have another needle-moving revenue generator. Uh, selling a set-top box for 100 bucks or 200 bucks, you know, if you sell 50 million of them, you know, yay. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, for a company Apple's size, that's not really all that much money, and they're not going to need to be upgraded every year or two. You know, this is going to be kind of a one-time thing for a lot of people. So selling a TV set, though, you know, what we what we have with the, with the TV market now is that your new fancy TV goes in the living room and the TV that it replaces goes into a bedroom or the kitchen or, you know, the office or something like that. And, uh, you know, it, it, the TVs offer a multi-year upgrade cycle themselves, but but an individual house can end up buying multiple units um, uh, during that upgrade cycle. So uh, that's the biggest reason I think that Apple would want to do it. Um, there's many compelling reasons though, to keep it limited to a, to a, a, a set top box. All right. I'm thinking here in terms of the fact that with the smartphone market, it was more for businesses and executives before the iPhone came out and made it consumer friendly. Mm-hmm. With the iPod, geeks bought it, but nobody bought the music players. With tablets, it was something for businesses, vertical markets, doctors' offices had tablets and styluses before the iPad came out. Apple made them consumer-friendly. But with TVs, that market's saturated. Now they're all running around trying to give you 3D and smart TVs, falling over themselves to give you more value for a lower price. Profits don't exist. How does Apple turn up that market because it's so saturated well that'll that'll be the key the the the, the, okay apple will not release a tv unless they can make one that has something that other tvs don't 
Apple uh, CEO Tim Cook um, and and Steve Jobs before him stressed the notion of how important it was to own a key differentiating technology that other people can't copy. Um, with the iPhone, they thought they were protected with patents. Of course, Samsung has run roughshod over that and has largely been able to copy uh, Apple's uh, interface and designs wholesale with little or no penalty. Um, so another way to differentiate your products and, and protect them is to own some kind of key thing that can't be readily duplicated by, by other people. So Apple won't release a TV for the sake of revenues. I know I might have suggested otherwise earlier, but I, I didn't intend to. Apple, it, it, But Apple would love to move that revenue needle if it can introduce a TV that people will be willing to pay for. So it has either some hardware component or some software component that makes it compelling. And that's the reason why Apple would release a TV. If they can't do those things, they won't. They'll keep all this limited to the set-top box. I kind of think it's going to be the set-top box. I know that John Martellaro believes it's going to be an Apple TV in our future. I just do not see it. Uh, f- fair enough. Uh, fair enough. I'm not. I'm not sold. You know. I'm. I, like I said, I'm 100 on the iPhone 5C. That's that's beyond doubt. Anyone who doesn't think the iPhone 5C isn't coming, um, or anyone who thinks that it's not coming isn't paying enough attention to the news. Same thing with the gold iPhone 5S. Those are, those are for sure. I'm not 100 on an Apple TV. Um, I just. I think that that again. That if Apple can find the way to do it, that they would want to. I know that. In our previous segment, Josh Centers from Tidbits, he was suggesting that Apple might want to have a tricked-out sound system, but I then reminded him about the Bose Video Wave with tricked-out sound system. It's a $5,000 TV set, and that's the cheap model. And then there's a $6,000 model, both of which can be bought without tricked-out sound systems for less than $1,000. So, you know, you have to think, how does Apple want to price something like that? We haven't seen any patents coming through for... um really awesome um sound systems plus you know the things things like um the tricked out sound projection 3d fakes around all those things they're they're just they're just tricks and they're tricks for the rubes they're they're you know real high-end audio requires speakers and you have up to 11.1 surround sound Yes. And imagine sticking those around your house and imagine what you have to spend for them. Now, I did a lot of work in the audio business. I used to cover audio for one magazine. I used to write manuals for another audio company. So I have a background and I follow the high end audio business for years. So, yes, you can get what they call faux surround sound. And it sounds pretty decent. But the real surround sound, it starts costing a little bit. How do you resolve it? Because it's a pretty complicated thing to set up properly without all sorts of automation. And the average person may not want to bother even if they want to spend the money. We're going to spend one more segment. Not money, but one segment more. With Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, taxhelponline.com. That's taxhelponline.com. Nutritious food is real body armor. It builds muscle, burns fat, improves digestion, and feeds the entire body the nutrients it needs. Did you know the U.S. government banned the hemp plant from growing in the United States and classified it as a Schedule One drug to hide it behind the marijuana plant? People have been confused about this plant for over 80 years, and many still don't know what hemp is. So now you know hemp is not marijuana, and marijuana is not hemp. They are different varieties of the same species. Hemp USA.org wants the world to know these basic facts and to help people understand that hemp protein powder is the best-kept health secret you need to know about. Remember, hemp protein powder contains 53% protein, is gluten-free, anti-inflammatory, non-GMO, and is loaded with nutrients. Call 888-910-4367, 888-910-4367, and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org. You have all seen and heard about the elements of the periodic table. These elements are the building blocks of everything in the universe. You, my friends, are made from these elements. A shortage of any of these important trace elements can lead to disease. Go with the science and take the Lady Talk Health Challenge and get all 90 essential trace elements with a healthy start pack at LadyTalkLive.com or call 855-333-LADY. That's 855-333-5239. Research shows it's not just what you put in your body that counts, it's what you put on it as well. Why not use an all-natural, healthy, mineral-based makeup that actually benefits your skin? Once you experience the airiness and flawless coverage of Longevity Mineral Makeup, you will never use anything else. With Longevity, the perception of your complexion will be natural perfection. Animal-friendly mineral makeup at Mary Lou Health. That's M-A-R-I-L-U-Health.com. Or call 855-321-HEALTH. 
You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. In our final segment with Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer, one more topic to discuss, the remedies in the Department of Justice antitrust trial against Apple over ebook price fixing. Draconian demands by the DOJ. The judge is more reasonable. How do you think it's ending up? Well, we think the judge is going to be more reasonable because it seems like the judge is basically pushing back on the more egregious uh, demands of the DOJ. But until we actually see that remedy order, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put a lot of stock into that because we also thought that the judge uh, was being pretty reasonable about the trial. Of course, you know, i got to play devil's advocate here. If the judge was only being unreasonable, if you believe that Apple wasn't uh, doing what the DOJ said, and since the judge said that they did, I mean, it's, an argument could be made. But it, the point is this. <laughs> Sorry for the rabbit hole. That's our middle name, Rabbit Hole. <laughs> Good. You, know, you have a TV show that's called Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Uh-huh. This is Tech Night Out Live in Wonderland. That's probably a good thing. No wonder I fit in so well. I have no idea why we have you on the show, but that has to be the reason. That must that must be the reason. You and Peter Cohen. Does he go down rabbit holes? I don't know. I think he likes to sometimes. Fair enough. Fair enough. So the DOJ, these remedies. I don't I still don't understand why the DOJ was going after Apple. I still don't get it. I still do not understand why the government has such an intense interest in protecting the monopolist in this industry and protecting the monopolist who is destroying the industry and who's going to end up pushing the industry to a place where we don't have good books to read. I don't understand that, and it makes me tense. I do not understand why the DOJ thinks that uh, having, that Apple having been convicted of colluding on prices in the ebook industry gives them the, uh, the makes it appropriate for them to demand oversight and changes in the way Apple does business in all of the rest of iTunes. I do not understand that either. It is not right to me. It is actually, it is offensive to me. I do not understand it. I'm sure they have their reasons. My, my guess is that the DOJ has been asking for the moon so that they can get a trip up in the space. Or perhaps they are looking at the wrong villains. They have it totally backwards. They think Apple is this dominant force in every industry they enter, not realizing that in ebooks it's Amazon. Well, and the bigger problem to me with the DOJ is that they have focused on price being the sole competitive factor. And price is not the sole competitive factor. The choice in where you shop is a competitive factor. Experience, in the case of ebooks, is a competitive factor. Uh, availability of books is a competitive factor. Price is also a factor, but is not the sole factor. And especially when you look at the fact that the pricing issue here is because one retailer was dumping. You know, Apple didn't so much cause a price increase in the book industry as it did to facilitate a situation where one retailer could no longer dump below price, dump below cost, in order to gain monopoly power in that industry. And I do not understand why the DOJ has gone after Apple for this. I think what would happen if you sat down one of those lawyers and said, 
hey, you know, hit somebody on the head of the Department of Justice and say, this is Amazon. Look at their market share. Look at their market share. This is Apple. Look at their market share. Who do you think is being abusive? Who do you think is trying to fix prices for their benefit, not for the benefit of everybody? Well, let's make no mistake about it. Apple did not want to compete on price because Apple does, Apple's never competed on price. Apple doesn't like competing on price. They changed the rules so that their bookstore and all the bookstores would no longer compete on price. And yes, that, that I mean, that, 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 that there is a, a competitive or anti-competitive argument about that. But in the bigger picture, and please keep in mind, I'm not an attorney, but in the bigger picture, um, it's not the only factor. It's just not the only factor. All right. So Apple obviously is going to appeal this thing. But I suppose they could still be ordered to follow the regulations pending the outcome of the appeal. So where does it go? Well, Apple will appeal. Um, I still expect Apple to appeal, but that that expectation is rooted in uh, in my inability to fathom both the judge's verdict and the DOJ's action in the first place. That may be my own shortcoming. Um, but Apple will appeal it, and Apple will ask that it's that the, any remedies be um, uh, suspended uh, while the, the case is being appealed. Um, my guess is Judge Coate will say no, and then Apple will appeal that. Uh, we will see. Now, Apple has said that if their appeal fails, they will uh, adhere to the spirit of the judge's orders in addition to the letter. That's not quite how they put it. They basically said that we're, we're going to follow your remedy if we lose this appeal. Well, it's like saying, I will go to jail if you convict me of a crime. Because what alternative do you have? Well, Apple could continue to, um, you know, short of an external monitor who has the power to change decisions, uh, Apple could continue to flout the law, which is what the DOJ is concerned about, from their opinion. Uh, Apple could continue to flout the law whether or not they're ordered to do something else. That will, of course, result in additional actions against the company, but that could happen. The outside observer, I still think of Nathan Lane in the TV show, The Good Wife, where he was the bankruptcy trustee overseeing the bankruptcy of a legal firm. That's one of the central characters or a group of characters in that particular TV show. So they hire Nathan Lane to be the observer. No, I guess not. Or they hired the observers from the TV show Fringe. (laughs) They, They could do that. Yes, I suppose they could do that. I mean, um, I think they're out of work. They have no place to go now. It's true. Yeah, the show is off the air, so they have no place to go. So they will be hired by the judge to oversee Apple. Imagine these bald-headed guys with dark glasses and fedoras overseeing Apple as they're trying to obey the ebook price-fixing edicts. Right. Do you think Apple could win in the Supreme Court? I think the Supreme Court unless they change the makeup by then, would knock it down because they're more business-friendly. I think that the majority, possibly even the minority, but I believe that the conservative majority of the Supreme Court would knock this case back to uh, Kingdom Come. I think that they will, they will absolutely strike it down as a ridiculous intrusion 
of uh, government oversight into the legitimate interests of business. Ben or Harry, Jessica Lee is getting on in years. And I think it's a race between whether he leaves the court or Ruth Ginsburg, one of the liberals, leaves the court. So this is going to be a race of time to see whether Apple will be able to appeal it to a business-friendly court. Yeah, it'd be interesting Interesting to actually root for a case to make it to court before Scalia leaves. That would be an interesting uh, flip for me. What is he in his late 70s or something like that? I, I don't know. I'm, He's yeah. the key guy there. You know, not Clarence Thomas, Judge Scalia. And Judge, uh, Judge Chief Justice Roberts. But he's young. He's going to be there for 100 years. Sure. You know, he's taking longevity medicine on the side. That's how he's doing it. I don't know where we started with this. We're getting into the science fiction realm. Uh-huh. Ryan Chaffin, please tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Find me on uh, the Mac Observer, where I write daily about the goings-on of Apple. And you can find my personal blog at geektells.com. It's T-E-L-L-S. And here's what we tells things. That's not even grammatical. You can find us on Twitter, where we are known as Tech Night Hal. We are Tech Night Hal on Twitter. You can find Gene Steinberg on Facebook, and more than likely, if you do find him, he's me. We also have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night, featuring a former Air Force counterintelligence agent, an FBI agent by the name of Walter Bosley, about a strange set of murders in California in 1915, believe it or not, at Paracast.com. Sounds awesome. At Paracast.com. Brian Chaffin, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you very much, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.